just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year to think that we're going to beat the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, presented by Sean slurping a bottle of water. Mm. I'm Jacob Krasno, joined as always by my trusty co-host, Sean Haspel, and uh, Allison Pratt uh, could not be with us today. She is a new mom, so shouts to Allison and Mike and young Teddy Pratt, the youngest podcast co-host of all time he's been co-hosting with us since he was a fetus so yes providing providing vibes and spiritual youthful energy um congratulations and welcome to the world the youngest member food at nation indeed all right we haven't potted since uh like week when was the last time Uh, i think it was uh the last time the saints won a game um, we potted after the Eagles game, did we? I think we did. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. It's been it's been yeah. that long. It's been a long time. We kind of like devolved into apathy at some point <laughs> in the last few weeks of the season. And then we I guess we talked about potting, but we figured that with the weird purgatory that was the Peyton situation. It wouldn't really be worth it to just kind of like him and haw over potential outcomes that might not even come to pass and to wait right. till that that shoe dropped um, one way or the other. Yes. And to really kind of let our feelings be known, but also, you know, our assessment of the fallout for better and for worse. Related yeah. to it. So and here we yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the shoe did drop. Um, yeah. You know, I, this morning I, I released an article on Boot Crew Media about how I feel as though like the Saints have, have once again become like a reflection of New Orleans in that the mm. city is like stagnating and falling apart and there's all these problems and, the team kind of uh, is a reflection of that in real life, um, given how the end of the season went. And I think we kind of fell into that pattern, too, with <laughs> not being super motivated. But we did have a good reason, as you just said. Uh, well, so now Peyton is, like, finally gone. Um, yeah. We traded him to the Broncos. He's formally Long- announced today as the head yes. coach of the Denver Broncos. Super weird to see him, like – decked out in their gear and talking about how excited he is to get going. Um, I find it infuriating. Emotion. Like I, I cannot look yeah. at pictures of him in, in Broncos gear. I, I can't do it. It really is like seeing like a, a hot Instagram story of like your ex-girlfriend or something. Like that. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I can't take it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, man. Um, I mean, just like personally, I I've always, I've always like not disliked, the Broncos, I, I, I think I was actually pretty partial to them back in their like Elway days uh, in the late nineties with their, their Super Bowl run. Um, and then uh, obviously like when Peyton Manning went there, I was, I was rooting for them during that whole time. And I've got some friends who are Broncos fans and um, obviously my like brother-in-law, what's up, Ryan? Uh, he's a big Broncos fan too. So um, I've, yeah, I've always kind of like been, partial partial to them so definitely glad to see Peyton go to a team I do not dislike um as opposed to like a certainly like a team like the Panthers or, or maybe the Cowboys um sure. and I mean and the fact that they're in the AFC means that like at at most in theory we'd only see them once a year um and we wouldn't really be complete competing in in the playoffs uh barring a incredibly poetic matchup in the Super Bowl that I mean god willing that would be like incredible um for a couple reasons but but um I mean going back to the return that we got 
from uh, from the Broncos for Peyton. Um, that I mean, that includes their second round pick next year. So we, unless we do trade that pick, we need to we need to root for the him to fail this year at least, and then yeah, he can go on to succeed. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you, you probably know that the Saints got um, Denver's uh, well. Uh, really the Niners first round pick that was owned by uh, Denver vis-a-vis the Dolphins um, for in the Bradley Chubb trade. It's the 30th pick of the draft, but because the Dolphins uh, forfeited their, their pick in this uh, year's draft, ironically due to their pursuit of Sean Payton and the tampering (laughs) charges that came out of that. um, It's technically it's the 30th pick, but it's going to be the 29th pick of the draft. Um, And then we uh, swapped our third, round pick next year in 2024 for their uh, second round pick next year. So um, not like a legendary Gruden return, but I think by all like rational accounts, like a fair return um, for a guy yeah. who wasn't even part of our organization this year. So, yeah, I mean, my knee jerk reaction, as you know, when the trade broke, when news broke was like, I really didn't like the return. Um, yeah, I kind of felt like I didn't think it was too far off, but I do feel like we could have, I don't know. I wanted just like one more pick, mm. like give us another day two pick or like another first, like a couple of years down the road. That, that was what I was hoping yeah. for, you know, like maybe the full if, Gruden was yeah. like maybe a little too pie in the sky, but right. just like one or two more assets. I think I would have, I immediately would have been like, Oh, okay, that's good. But Right. I mean, after stewing on it for a couple days, like I'm, we have a first round pick, we have ammunition. So yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think this search or yeah, I guess you'd call it a search, but this process didn't go. I, I don't think it went the way that Sean Payton himself thought or wanted it to go. I think he was really anticipating that chargers job coming open and, um, and possibly the Dallas job. And when neither of those did, it sounded like he, um, might've had to do a little bit of a reset. He and his agent, uh, and I mean, it, the reporting also bears out that he wasn't the first choice for the Broncos. It might not have even been the second choice. Um, and so, I mean, who knows how they're, salary negotiations went but it for a while it was certainly seeming like he was gonna have to go back to fox um for for another year and i i I know the guys on saints happy hour podcast i mean ralph in particular said that like while we might have still been able to get like a first round pick and plus whatever like maybe a similar return like we got from the broncos next year the double-edged sword of us like not having our own first rounder this year. And so we like really kind of needed, we needed those assets today. Um, yeah. As yeah. opposed to, even if we were going to get them in the future, we like really need them today, both from like, like a practical standpoint, cause we don't have them, but also from the fan base's standpoint of like psychological like healing like we need something to hold on to and yeah not having a first round pick like navigating this whole offseason especially given that we brought back da and have made some questionable coaching moves that we'll get into later going through all that and not having a first round pick um would have been pretty terrible uh from the psychology of the fan base but then like on an on a separate level the Peyton like sword of Damocles hanging over our head this whole season <laughs> was awful. Imagine like it would, and it would be even worse if we had to do it again next year. Uh, worse from just like uh, the fans perspective being annoying worse from like the team's perspective, because I mean, not that like any of us feel that sorry for DA, but just like having that cloud hanging over, he and his staff's head and then the players heads as well. Given some of the reporting that's been trickling out uh, like Jeff Duncan recently and other Jeff Duncan basically like resurfaced his 
apparently sourced belief, closely, if not directly to Peyton, sourced belief that Peyton would have come back um, to the Saints yeah. if, they, if they had an opening and if, if they had moved on from DA. Um, and so, I, real quick, I just yeah. like, if you listen to the things that all of the Saints beat reporters are saying and you kind of put them side by side, I think Jeff Duncan, like, I mean, a lot of people don't like him already, but I feel like this Peyton thing has like really permanently like destroyed his credibility because he's like claiming he has this source close to Peyton that says I mean, he, he would have come he, back. And yeah, then you have he, Andrew he's talking Jude. to Peyton directly. Like, yeah. Um, so, but like yeah. Juge is saying that like his source in the team said that like they would never have taken Peyton back, even if he wanted to. And they were very angry that he leaked that he would come back. Yeah. So this is all stuff that's like coming from Peyton and right. not from the team. And the, it doesn't mean that it like would have happened, uh, even if the situation presented itself. And like Jeff Duncan is just like saying it as if it's like something that like would have come to pass, like no matter what. And it's like standing by it. And I think it yeah. kind of makes him look bad. I think it makes him look bad. Um, I think it makes Peyton look bad, but it may, and it also like, kind of makes the like potentially the team look bad in 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 from certain perspectives. Man, um, yeah, you I think it makes the that? team look. It look, makes them look very savvy <laughs> that they probably that they were like angry about it, but were kind of like, and we discussed this that they probably right. heard it and they were like, well, it doesn't really hurt our bargaining position, so we're yeah. just gonna not say anything. And so I think I, DA probably would have agreed with that as much as it stunk. Right. So I think the situation was probably like all a little more fluid than it's like we like have been kind of led to believe. I mean, there was the reporting that remember that reporting came out. I think it was Nick who said that um, like Gail offered Sean. Yes. A, a sabbatical, a year sabbatical to yes, recharge yes. and then come back. I actually like asked Jeff Duncan on Twitter today, like about that, because that wouldn't square with his whole reporting that like Sean was burnt out, but then like he would come back and he's, and he said basically that Sean told him that that was, was never posed to him. And even if it was, it wouldn't even have been possible. And so I, I don't know, man, like it's, there's so many competing agendas here. And then there's the fact that, so I think maybe there was a time that the Saints did want him to come back, but I definitely think that relationship's probably soured to a degree. Um, yeah, and and if you like read between the lines, I'm not sure a lot of the players wanted him back either. Yeah, I think a lot of them are yeah. kind of mad at him. I mean, like Cam Jordan made some like not too thinly veiled comments about like them not being happy with Peyton. And so as much as, well, obviously, okay. DA not like DA needing to be gone. is almost like a separate issue. Um, but I don't know. I, I, we can like go back and forth on the like innuendo and, who said what, like who's like, who had like what to gain from like what leak. But I think the overall conclusion is that this needed to end like this. Yeah, totally. Uncertainly needed to end. And so bringing me back to my original point is that the return that we got, like we needed, we needed this to happen, honestly. Um, and the return that we got is fine. Um, and if properly, it could be properly leveraged into helping us get back on track. What, we, if we're yep. going to do that is obviously another debate, but it, that effort is like significantly helped by it, potentially at least by this return. So yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Totes goats. Um, yeah, like one final thing about Peyton, like I, obviously we have reason to root against him, as you said, because of the draft pick, but 
you know I'm a petty motherfucker and I hold grudges and like Peyton like dumped us, man. Like I, I am rooting for him to fail. Like I want him run out of Denver in like two or three years. Like Russell Wilson like continues to be poo poo on a stick and like he never figures out the defense and they just like crumble. And like, that's the end of Peyton as a coach. Like that would make, that would make me feel very, uh, very satisfied in like a, a, a low kind of way. Yeah, no, I, I've, and I've seen like that sentiment echoed by plenty of folks on Saints Twitter in the last couple of days. And, and I've kind of like reached a place where I'm like, you know, if that's how you want to feel, like there's no reason you shouldn't feel that way. If you want to root for him, I feel like that's like, okay too. I feel like, I feel like it's like a very like there's no right way to feel about this situation um and, and and that's almost i mean not to like make this a fucking like jeff duncan podcast but that's what kind of like made the duncan articles over the last few days a little frustrating because he wrote that first one basically saying that any saints fan that isn't like happy and grateful for Sean is like wrong and dumb. And okay, I guess it can also be said that it, it is possible to simultaneously be grateful and thankful for what he did here, but then also like want him to not succeed in Denver. Like you can, you can feel those things, but, but yeah. at the same time, you, you can also, re- so like, because you can also recognize like, like Jeff Duncan kept trying to push the narrative that he was just so burnt out, so burnt out. And like, he, he like needed to like step away. It's like, nah, he quit. Like, like maybe he was burnt out because it was such a bad situation. And so he quit. Like, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. A lot of it's semantics, but I, I, I'm just glad we can turn the page. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, personally, I will, even though I hope they do poorly, as I just said, I, will not be paying any attention to him or the Broncos like whatsoever. And I will like even go so far as to like not draft fantasy players. So I don't have to pay attention. So one thing though, I'll say that in the spirit of pettiness, we all can enjoy is I think some of the Denver media are in for a very rude awakening. Oh yes. Um, more like Again, Benjamin Albrong. More like Benjamin Albrong. Yeah, ben, uh, I mean, not to completely derail this podcast again, but like, so yeah, Ben Albright is like, <laughs> derail uh, it, drive it, drive it off the tracks. <laughs> I guess it was never porch. on any tracks anyway. Like we're kind of just freestyling <laughs> right now, but yeah. So Ben Albright, who's regarded as like one of the more plugged in guys in the Denver media beat, um, I think he works for the their flagship radio station and is like on the sidelines during games. Um, but he's also like has a reputation of being kind of a blowhard and is like constantly replying to people on Twitter. And as I found out uh, earlier this week, blocking <laughs> people on Twitter um, for even like like searching his own name and then blocking people who like make even benign criticisms of him. Um, so yeah, he had been like weirdly anti Peyton, like making like allusions to like Peyton's like off field scandals over his years, like even like deep cuts like the Vicodin. Uh, allegations from it was that 07 maybe um or it was even a long time ago, it was a right? long time ago but basically he wasn't just like reporting that Peyton to the Broncos was unlikely which like would have been his job he was basically saying like the Broncos shouldn't hire Peyton because he's like a bad guy which I guess is like an okay opinion to have but a weird hill for a reporter who whose like literal livelihood is to intimately cover the team to die on and to like stake their like literal career on because Peyton reads everything he listens to everything and I wouldn't be shocked if Ben Albright's bosses have a little talking to from Peyton about uh, their level of access as long as Ben Albright is employed there. Um, They might not get as much access to the locker room 
or press conferences, having like favorable positions and, and, or like one-on-one interview time with like assistants and stuff like that. Uh, So it's interesting. I, yeah, I, I'm going to like from afar, like laugh at some of the, or at least observe some of the changes that are uh, uncomfortably brought on to, to the Denver, like football media ecosystem. So And like, and then like Peyton's also going to try to like smoke out anyone from that football front office and football ops that like leaks to the media too and stuff. And um, yeah, it's going to, I'm sure there, I think there's going to be some funny stories that come out of it. So, but yeah, uh, it was fun. It was all fun and games when Peyton was our asshole. Right. Exactly. Now he's someone else's, but yeah. in the event that he is listening to this, which I would say the chances are less than like a fraction of 1%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, I would, I would buy you a beer and have a good time with you. And thank you for all the wonderful things you did for new Orleans. But I would also still give you shit about what you did to us. So <sighs> we love you, but we also, uh, you know, hope that you suck. in Denver. <laughs> Um, all right. I, I have to say like now that this is behind us and we have a first round pick and, uh, reading some of the reporting that's come out of senior bowl this week, I am excited for the off season. Like I, I'm not as like down on the saints immediate future as a lot of people, especially on Twitter seem to be like, it seems like the word from saints camp is that they know they have all these problems. They are aware of how we feel. They watched the games. They know that they were fucking horrible on offense and like they're going big game quarterback hunting. Like we're going to do everything in our power to get a quarterback. And if we have someone who, in my opinion, uh, is Derek Carr or better then mm-hmm. this becomes a playoff team because yeah. of the state of the NFC South. And I'm okay with that. Like I'm fine with that. It could be a, a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. Um, and then the flip side of that coin is that if it doesn't work out, then DA and all of his cronies are going to be gone next year. So yeah, we're, we're moving in a positive direction one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, that's a, that's a healthy, positive way to look at it. Um, I mean, this is basically DA's last stand. Um, I think given the fact that the division is almost certainly going to be down again, if we don't make the playoffs, I I would say if we don't win, well, I don't know if we like make it in as a wild card. I mean, I would say probably the only team from the NFC South that's going to make the playoffs next year is going to be the winner. And so if we don't win the division, i.e. make the playoffs if he's not fired next year then it's like total meltdown time because that means the saints like ownership and upper management are truly lost but that's like i don't i don't think that'll happen i don't think that'll happen either yeah but that's an apocalyptic meltdown that for another day that hopefully never comes so this is da's last stand and it's if he succeeds which i i mean like none of us are rooting against da because da being successful means the saints are successful and that's what we ultimately want you and i and most rational saints fans i don't want to say most but many rational saints fans (laughs) do like just don't think da is that guy and we don't think he's capable of being a successful head coach that's very different than us saying we don't want him to be a successful head coach. People who feel that way, you don't need to pay attention to them. So if DA is not successful, then he's going to be fired. If he is, then we're going to be good. And so, yes, in a very Zen way, it's we are entering like a win-win situation. Um, but I still think we can evaluate the what our opinion on opinions are on the moves that he is making. And those, a lot of those I think have been questionable so far. Like, but like Nick, 
yeah. like Nick Underhill says, I mean, I mean, Nick Underhill's basically said what we said, like these moves have to work for DA's sake. So it's like, and they're either going to, or they're not, it's like really that binary, honestly. And so yeah. I guess, I mean, yeah, like a lot, a lot has happened and not happened since we last potted, but Pete Carmichael is staying. We fired Dan Ruchar, who has been with the team for a while in a, in a few different um, offensive capacities, but uh, most recently our tight ends coach and I think run game coordinator might have yes. been his. It might have yep. been his title. He was the run game um, coordinator. Yeah. Uh, I'm blanking. What is our our QB coach's name? Um. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, sorry, this is embarrassing. But uh, Ronald Curry, Ronald Curry, Ronald Curry, um, who has generally been seen as like a positive. Um, he interviewed with the Bucks, but I think he might be staying. Uh, but we've made some major, major changes on the defensive side of the ball, namely, um, Ryan Nielsen, who was our defensive run game coordinator slash co defensive coordinator but mainly our D-line coach uh, left to go to the Falcons to be their DC, their, their full play-calling D.C. Um, we had, Whether we kind of encouraged him to do that or he like left of his own accord is obviously debatable. I'm not sure that's a huge loss. Um, the D-line regressed a lot this year, and our run defense uh, plummeted over the last couple of years. Um and he's literally never been a play calling DC. So it's like, okay, like at the NFL level, at least. So it's like, okay, like good luck. Like, Falcons. Yeah. Um, we've spent so much draft capital on edge rushers and Peyton Turner and Davenport haven't developed. Just, they haven't all. done diddly poo. Right. And yeah. like, that's on Nielsen. That's yeah. his position. Yeah. Uh, um, David you know, Onyemata has regressed ever since he got popped for steroids and is presumably yeah. not, not, not roided up anymore. He's regressed. Um, he like ended up having some nice games towards the end of the season, but he's a free agent, so he might not even be back. Um, I'll say Carl Granderson has developed pretty nicely. Um, yeah. But so again, like I know Nielsen had some some really strong moments here, but uh, I'm not sure losing him is is the biggest loss. The move that really got me on tilt towards the end of this past week um, was we essentially fired Chris Richard, who uh, was our other co-defensive coordinator, our, our defensive passing game coordinator, and our DB coach the last couple of years. Um, the secondary was a strength of our team this year, and I yes, I know yeah. that like like I've said on like previous pods, like the secondary has been and is and will always be as long as he's here DA's baby. Um, but to like fire the guy who was like the nominal position coach and coordinator of that group that finished like, I think we finished second in passing yards allowed this year, which is like still elite as it's been the last few years is like crazy. And um, Alante Taylor had a great year. Um, uh, Marshall Lattimore was great when he was healthy. Um, Paulson Adebo, um, he slumped a little bit in his sophomore season, but, uh, I, I don't know. And like our safety play rounded into form towards the end of the year too. So, so to let, to, so to part ways with him in what was like reported out as being like philosophical differences seems very short-sighted. Um, but again, like on the other side as like keeping Pete Carmichael, like, these moves and who we hire there, it's either going to work or it's not, or DA is going to get fired. So yeah. trying to be Zen about it, I guess. Um, I don't know. What are your takes? Yeah. At, uh, at first glance, when you, if you take, if you take the reports at face value, that there was a philosophical difference between how they wanted to run the secondary and, and maybe the defense as a whole, because I'm sure once Nielsen left, I think it would have been a safe bet to assume that Chris Richard was in the running to be the full-time defensive coordinator. Um, right. Like I, this is going to sound crazy, but like I have to give DA the benefit of the doubt <laughs> when it comes to running the defense. So yeah. like 
the defense was, despite as bad as the run defense was, the defense as a whole was very good for about 75% of the season. Yeah. And if he thinks Richard was going to like run the secondary into the ground and do something stupid and, and yeah. he didn't agree with the way he wanted to do things, then I kind of have to like trust his judgment at the same time. I don't know if I believe anything that gets reported out of like airline drive, yeah. you know, unless it comes from the mouths of Mike Triplett, Andrew Juge or Nick Underhill, then like, I don't know if I believe it. Like I, who knows what really happened? Maybe they yeah. just didn't like each other. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, te- yeah, technically like, I mean, they didn't really have any history together uh, before he joined in 2021. And I guess Peyton was the one who technically hired him. So um, and I think another point that you made that I thought was really good was that, yeah, it's, it's like kind of like a corollary to what you just said, but perhaps like DA reckon, and maybe this is like an overly charitable reading of the situation that is giving him too much of the benefit of the doubt, but perhaps maybe like DA on his own accord or like with ownership and Mickey's urging says like, Hey man, like you really need to like take a step. I know the defense is your baby and you love calling plays and like being super hands-on, but like you maybe need to like, yeah, at least take a partial step back from that and be more, not like a, just like a CEO head coach, but really take a more holistic view of the team uh, throughout like the off season work and like training camp and into preseason into the season. When it comes to like those little things, like, offensive pre-snap penalties and offensive fumbles and other like turnovers, like the little detail things that yes, it's like nominally like the offensive coach's job to police and ultimately prevent and coach out those things. But at the end of the day, like you are the head coach and Sean Payton scared the shit out of everyone, his assistant coaches, and the players included and like training staff and everyone, like everyone had to be like on fucking go mode under Sean. Yeah. Payton. And they were scared to make mistakes under Sean Payton. Like the, the fucking eye, I have Sauron. And <laughs> if DA is like hyper-focused on like week in and week out game planning and like the minutia of the secondary and defensive play calling, then like logically he's not able to focus on those things maybe as much as he wanted to. So maybe knowing that he he does want to hand off at least some of the de- coordination of the defense to a like bona fide defensive coordinator. And maybe he just like legitimately didn't trust Chris Richard with that role. Either yeah. like either like practically speaking or like philosophically, like I mean like going back to what they said philosophically, like scheme wise, I mean. Um yeah, because and if, so, if DA yeah. is going to take a step back and and delegate these responsibilities, like he needs to trust the defensive coordinator to basically be his eyes and ears. Yeah, and for sure. If even if Richard, like even if what he wants to do is good in a vacuum, if it's not what DA wants, like that's going to cause problems. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was my first reaction when I saw the news was that DA needs he needs like a real. He needs somebody he can trust in the room so he can go focus on other yeah. things um, like punishing our running backs for making critical yeah. fumbles. Uh, right. I mean, we lost a couple games like that this season because, because of arguably like preventable errors. Um, yeah. And like, I think in a way this uh, like perspective on things is kind of like, the key to this team being successful. Like there was a, we, we didn't pod while this was going on. So I never really got to express this, but there was a point during the three game winning streak at the end of the year where I thought like, maybe like if DA has a decent quarterback, then like this could work. Yeah. Like we just need the offense to be, it's, it's the reverse of what it was like in the Peyton years where no we doubt. just needed the, the defense just needed to be like top 15, maybe top 20. And we were going to win the division. Yeah. Now I think it's the shoes on the other foot and it's the offense that just needs to be like mediocre. If the yeah. offense is mediocre and the defense is elite, 
then we're going to be a playoff team. Yeah. And like, I know people are not going to want to hear it, but if DA has a good quarterback, then this team's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. It could work like that. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, and I've seen like glimmers on like some tweets from well-known saints, Twitter folks, but basically saying the same thing is like, look, I mean, even like notoriously pessimistic guys like John Sigler, who is like the sad boy of, of, of Saints Twitter. Like, well, yeah, if, if you watch all that mobile suit Gundam, you're going to be a sad boy. Right, right. Um, like, I mean, Derek Carr plus like a good free agent or maybe like higher draft pick wide receiver plus like average injury health and like maybe like a like a high draft pick O lineman, um, that that definitely has like the makings of like a decent offense. So, and like you said, I mean, it just has to be a decent offense as long as the deep uh, the defense is good in a bad division. Like that 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 is like kind of the overarching macro environment that that all these takes have to be formed in. Is it like this isn't the NFC East of like today? Like the NFC South is is was horrible this year like one of the worst divisions of all time statistically and probably isn't going to be much better this year. I mean, Tom Brady retired, which happened like since, since our last pod and like Kyle Trask make out with his 12 yeah. year old son and Kyle now. Trask. <laughs> you see that people are putting the sand from like where he recorded his retirement video on the beach in jars and selling them on the internet. Yeah, trying to get there like was thousands one, of dollars for it. Yeah, it was like ninety grand, like a jar of sand. Was good. That's I'm sure some weirdos are gonna. Do <sighs> yeah, the world um, is crumbling, Sean. Yeah, man, this is yeah. The rapture can't come soon enough. Um, <laughs> and I and I say that as a Jew who, um, by many religious traditions, will end up in hell. So, um, <laughs> but uh, man. Um, but yeah, so like the Saints are not this like hopeless mess that like a lot of the more pessimistic Saints fans um, say we might be. And like a lot of like national media are kind of like doing a touchdown dance on our graves after this year. And then like I got in a really annoying Twitter back and forth with some, I think he was a Falcons fan, maybe. I don't even know who, but just saying that like, the saints process is bad. And we're just like going back to like the whole like saints, like cap situation that made some joke about like the saints getting Lamar Jackson. And he was like, Oh, like, do you not understand the salary cap works? I'm like, Dude, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm rambling right now, but basically like <laughs> you just have to ignore those people. And yes, then they you go really away. do. You really do. Um, so I, uh, so yeah, man, like, we're not dead. <laughs> We're not dead, despite uh, many reports <laughs> to the contrary. Um, Gumbo, stop it. Gumbo agrees. Gumbo agrees. He, uh, he agrees. Um, but, but, uh, so, yeah. We're, we'll see what happens. I, I think Derek Carr, there's a lot of smoke there. Um, and, I think the biggest thing with him is like, we just need to kind of like call the Raiders bluff and not trade for him. Um, Like, so yeah, my question to you in terms of the QB search is like, mm -hmm. who do you want? And yeah, in regards to Derek Carr, what would you be willing to give up to acquire him? Okay. Well, so to, to zoom out for a little bit, I mean, the best situation would be that we have like a okay, uh, that that was that was my wife reminding me that we need to leave in about thirty minutes to head to the Southwest Cajun Fest in Chandler, Arizona. Which um, are you going to wear your Jazz Fest button down shirt and your crew sunglasses? Oh man, and your your pleated perless seersucker shorts and your uh, Bonfolk socks? Maybe I feel like, <laughs> dude, like. Yeah, we should talk about this actually uh, for, for for a moment. This like festival, which I think has been going on for like eight or nine years, um, 
and is sponsored by this like chain of nominally Louisiana seafood restaurants called the Angry Crab, which are like there's probably like a ten or so of them around town here. Um, it's like I don't know what to expect. I'm, I'm gonna have some, I'll have some funny things to report. Like the website talks about it's like take a stroll down Bourbon Street and like pet an alligator it's like literally <laughs> pet a crocodile seriously dude it's like the worst caricature that like some midwestern transplant to arizona could dream up of louisiana and like new orleans and it's like catch beads from our like balcony i'm like like what it's just dude it's it's gonna be like cringe i think there will be some like actually good louisiana expat uh like food trucks there but like and there's like a crawfish eating contest and it's like really dumb shit i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna like go ham on some crawfish or anything i'm like running a like a 5k race tomorrow which is not a lot by most people's standards but for me i think this has the makings of of hilarity yeah no it'll be hilarious um like what if you win the the race because like the the toxic fumes of like crawfish like corpses are are, are coming out of your pores and all yeah of the, killing the other 5k runners, runners out. Um, around me but just crop um, just crop them. yeah i might i might have to uh winning by any means necessary for sure but uh anyway the saints <laughs> It'd be great to have like a young quarterback who you're like, he's like our guy of the future, but just given the situation where we're at, um, the 29th pick in this draft is not going to be that guy. Um, almost certainly. I mean, yeah, like maybe a guy like Hendon Hooker uh, potentially is there like in the second round that we could take. And, and depending on what we do in free agency or, trades uh he, he could he could be the guy we, we're, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about uh the draft and, and things like yeah. that in the next couple months but um currently andy dalton's a free agent uh there's always the potential of bringing him back uh it certainly seems like i think that's were, a given he'll be back yeah. as a backup yeah yeah potentially I mean, depending i mean if someone wants to make him a starter statistically he was like a top 15 quarterback in the nfl this year as much shit as he got uh from from saints fans so he Realistically, could be a starter on on a few teams, but uh, I think Jameis, unfortunately, like a lot of dirty hands there. But I think his time as a Saint is done and has been done for a while. His release is is pretty imminent. Um, yeah. That bridge but, didn't uh, just burn; it got blown up with dynamite. Yeah, absolutely nuked. Um, but uh, so yeah. So in terms of our the quarterback for next year, I mean, I still have kind of like the pie in the sky. Uh, hope that the Lamar Jackson negotiation um, goes south in in Baltimore and they kind of like can't break their stalemate of uh, him wanting uh, at least at least close to Deshaun Watson guaranteed money and, and them kind of refusing to ball like refusing to play ball with him um, and then the Saints kind of stepping in and maybe like trading our first and second that we now have this year with like our first and second next year. Um, and then maybe uh, another second in the year after uh, or something like that for, for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. But, uh, I think that he's the really, unless some other like star quarterback uh, shocks everybody and becomes available. I think he's the only person I would give up significant assets for. Right. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, and that brings us to Derek back to Derek Carr, who there's a ton of smoke about us like potentially maybe even being the favorite to get him. Um obviously there's a connection with DA, but I mean DA uh who knows how long he'll be around for, but I mean maybe DA views him as kind of like the holy grail to to kind of help save both of their careers. Um the situation with Derek Carr, he is uh like owed $40 million on February 15th by the Raiders who are like desperately trying to trade him before then. But it's yeah. kind of like a game of chicken because Derek Carr is a no trade clause. So he can essentially refuse to be traded to any team and basically force the Raiders to cut him. And at that time he'll be a free agent. 
And I think the Saints' best move is to kind of like back channel recruit him. Absolutely. And say like, Tamper yeah. with that motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, hey, man, like, we want you. And your best chance to win as our starter is by us not giving up assets to get you. So just exactly. like, exactly. So just like hold out. And, and then like in a couple of weeks, like once you're a free agent, let's like do this on the up and up. And I mean, I mean, shit, like they can even like back channel negotiate a contract with him. Like, and so, I mean, he can't like visit the team or anything. Um, but basically, at this point, I think it would almost be malpractice for the Saints to actually trade for him. But if they could get him as a free agent and negotiate a contract that maybe like, I don't know, I would trust Loomis to make the numbers work. Um, hopefully it wouldn't t- like for sure tie us to him like hell or high water for like a long time in case he doesn't work. But um, And we'd have some protection there, but I, yeah, I mean, I think getting him as a free agent would be would be massive. And uh, but I really don't want to try to give up any assets for him. Definitely not any good assets. So yeah, I um, think the highest I would uh, the highest pick I would give up for him would be the third rounder. Yeah, yeah, um, third this year. like that would make me wince a little bit. But yeah, like uh, De- Carr I almost called him David Carr. Derek Carr with a first round pick and some free agents. Like I feel like that version of the 2023 saints will be the NFC South favorite. Yeah, it should be. I mean, now something that scares the shit out of me is if some team that does have a lot of draft assets, like the Panthers gets Lamar Jackson or prize some other quarterback away or like Aaron Rodgers comes to the division or something like that. Like, yeah, that is a possibility no one's really talked about. And I feel like it's everyone is looking for a quarterback. So like, right. it's not just us. Like we have to compete right. with these other teams in our yeah. division. Yeah. It, it's almost like an arms race, literally an arms race to get a yeah. quarterback um, with a good arm. Uh, so, and yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's too overly simplistic to say that the first NFC South team to get like a solid, good quarterback is going to be the favorite in the division for the foreseeable future. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, Garrett Carr is a free agent with a few other like key moves this year. That'd be cool. Yes, it would be cool. It would be cool. All right. Anything else you want to get off your chest before I let you, uh, go, Gorge yourself on crawfish shipped from Lafayette this morning to Phoenix. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they were actually um, from here. They, uh, they could have been the, uh, the offspring of the uh, leftover live crawfish that we released into the the pond in the park uh, around the corner from my house last year. So, <laughs> no, those Sean, those crawfish are dead. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to inform you, they died. Oh, Shortly they, after you <laughs> released them, they're, they're they're living full lives at the crawfish f- farm upstate. <laughs> Frolicking. I think I think it would be funny if if y'all were eating genetically engineered crawfish at the Cajun Fest, and it gave you like weird like Louisiana superpowers. It's my like origin story. Am I am yeah. I am I going to be like uh, in the James Gunn like DC? Uh, universe expanding universe you're gonna turn into like the the baron samadhi guy who has like a skull painted on his face and you can turn people's guns into snakes damn that's a very deep cut reference yeah you know the first scene of your movie will be uh somebody watching a jazz funeral uh in the french quarter and they ask a, a someone standing next to them whose funeral it is and the person says, yours. And then the person gets stabbed and dumped into the coffin. Just like in Live and Let Die. <laughs> Is that how the movie starts? Man, I haven't seen that in a minute. That's the first scene of Live and Let Die, the Bond film that was shot in New Orleans, which features like a 15-minute long boat chase in the Irish Bayou. It's fucking incredible. It's oh, I can't believe they made it. Um, 
I actually got to see uh, one of the boats that was in that that scene. Um, the the Peterson Automotive Museum in in L.A. had a James Bond exhibit with like all these like cars and props from the movies, and that was one of them. Uh, it was really cool. Um, wow, that's that's incredible. Yeah, the boat the boat being chased by Sergeant J W Pepper. Was the Lonely Heart Band there? No, no. But uh, Paul McCartney did sing Live and Let Die. All right. Oh, wow. He did. There we go. There we go. Okay. Um, do you want to ad lib and ad read or do anything of the sort? I don't know what we're, we're, we're plugging here, but I feel like it's a podcast. We should plug something. This podcast, Black and Gold BS is the name of it, is presented by uh, Southwest Cajun Festival, Arizona's premier Cajun festival catering to uh, people from Ohio who uh, are scared to go to New Orleans because they've, they've heard some bad stories about it, but still want a little Cajun zest on their February Saturday afternoon in uh, sunny Phoenix. Oh, sorry. Chandler, Arizona. Southwest Cajun Fest. Come get pinched there. All right. For Sean Haspel and Allison Pratt and Teddy Pratt, I'm Jacob Krasno, and this has been Black and Gold BS, the Irreverent Saints podcast from Food Crew Media. Until next time, who dat? Who dat?